Hello and welcome to the latest edition of How Might We? And this week my guest is Alexis Kingsbury and we're going to be talking about quite a sexy subject really. How might we release time in the business so we can go on a six-week road trip, which I think will be interesting for most of us who want to do something like that. So welcome Alexis. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, well thank you very much for having me Scott. It's great to be here. As of me, so I'm Alexis. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I currently have, I'm active in couple of software businesses with globally remote teams. We work with hundreds of organizations around the world, including some well-known brands like 3M and Swarovski and Fitness First and Pepsi and so on. And um, we essentially, in, in one of my software businesses, which is SpiderGap, we support teams with employee development using a 360 feedback tool. And with my newest software business, which is Air Manual, most recent one that is a, a tool and set of services to help businesses to document their processes and roll onboarding so that they can reduce mistakes they can get new joiners up to speed they can free up their time from working on the business and ultimately sort of continuously improve it so that you can you can build a business that yeah as we'll talk about today allows you to do a six-week road trip which is what i'm on right now so <laughs> there you go so we this isn't it, this isn't from theory then this is from somebody who's three and a half weeks into their six-week road trip that's exactly right, and it, and it's not the first time I've done a a, a a significant holiday of Lent. Three four weeks completely out of the business is not uncommon for myself and my co-founder. And in fact, at the moment we we're both having a four week period where we're both out of the business. So it's not like oh, but it's being covered by the co-founder. Like we're both out there properly out of the business. And as you say, right now I'm three and a half weeks three and a half weeks through it. It's awesome. I've been traveling across down from Folkestone to Calais, Calais down through Berck and down the Loire Valley and Dordogne and Rocamadour and Carcassonne and then down to the Bay of Roses. Right now near Barcelona. I was in Barcelona yesterday meeting up with one of my team because, uh, as I say, we're globally remote. So I met up with a member of my team for dinner yesterday. And then after a few days, we'll be traveling across the top of Spain, going to La Rioja, meeting up with another, another member of my team. And then ferrying back from Santander, but um, you know, doing this just wouldn't be possible without what we've put in place in in the businesses to mean that I'm not operationally required day to day. And particularly on my particularly on SpiderGap, which I've had for for longer as a as a business, you know, that business doesn't require me for a whole month, you know, plus at a time with zero interaction. Air manual because it's a little bit new, it's still in that the process, and we'll talk about how to get there and how might we do that. And, well, the steps, but that's kind of earlier in the, in the in the process. But even that, I'm not not blocking day to day. I'm able to support through you know the odd weekly or fortnightly one to one, which is a quick. And so that's that's I'm able to do that and juggle essentially run two businesses whilst doing this. And it won't be that long until I've got M manual into a position where I could I could spend a month plus completely disconnected from the business without without needing to even check in, which is one of those things that I think a lot of business owners set as a as a vision or a goal and yet is so elusive and feels so far away. And it's 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 funny, it's it's actually once you start on the process of of getting there and we'll, we'll go dig into that, that bit can actually be quite quick. It's the the bit that's hard is the bit that leads up to that and, and then taking the action to to go through the process to 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 actually free it free yourself up from business. But of course, although we'll talk about it in the context of freeing yourself up for a six-week road trip, but of course it's relevant even if you're just looking to stop doing 100-hour or 60-hour weeks 
or just wanting to be able to spend more time working on the business rather than in it, it's still like relevant, even if you're not looking to do a road trip or a holiday, like just mm-hmm. freeing up your time. It's the same, the same principle, same structures. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, as small business owners, is time is finite, isn't it? It's, we can't get more of it. So the, the more effective we can be in the time we spend in, on the business, in the business, to allow us to do other things, the better it is for us. Exactly. In a, it's often said that time is your most valuable resource and you're in this really weird situation where it's the one resource that all of us have exactly the same amount, whether you're Elon Musk or a you know, struggling entrepreneur, like you have the same amount of hours in the day. And so it all comes down to, to how you utilize that, where your time is spent, whether you're working on the business or in it or whatever. Absolutely. I think I saw some, isn't it? Time is the most, it's the most equitable re- resource available. You can't save it. You can't borrow right. it. That's it. It is just what it is. And once it's gone, it's gone. Exactly right. And and I think it's, I think sometimes that it's a really weird double-edged sword. On the one hand, on, on the one hand, we should find that quite liberating. We should feel, as you say, it's, it's so equal and therefore we all have the same potential with it. And yet somehow I think that be- almost because of that, it can make us feel rubbish about how we spend our time. This <laughs> is how other people seem to, which, you know, nowadays it's that classic Facebook syndrome of looking at what other people are doing on Facebook and going, oh, you know, everyone else is having such a fantastic time and seems to find everything so easy and business seems to be easy and so on. And yet I'm struggling. And, and I think that's why it's this weird double-edged sword. But I think on the plus side, it, you know, the, the empowering thing is that there are always things you can do to sharpen the saw to, to, to fruit with time. In fact, I, I was doing, I did a performance review recently where I was talking to one of my team members about sharpening the saw and where that kind of comes from. And we read the quote from the Stephen Covey book. Where he talks about, imagine, you know, coming, going through a, going through a forest and you come across someone feverishly trying to saw a tree down and uh, oh, you, you look exhausted and they go, yeah, of course I'm exhausted. I've been trying to chop this tea, tree down for the last five hours. And the person says, well, you know, have you thought about just take some time and perhaps sharpen the saw. And I said, what are you talking about? I haven't got time to sharpen the saw. You know, can't you see I'm trying to chop this tree down? And I think, you know, I think that's why conversations like the the one that, that we're having now are important because it's those, and, and people listen to this, it's taking that time to step back and go, hang on, how can I get the same results using less time and or or better results for the same time? Because that is always a useful activity. You'll you'll always get good return when you're investing it in better time management. Yeah, I mean, I think the important thing for me in what you're saying, so because I I used to, I come from an L and D background, learning development, and the hardest thing for people to say is, that, are you going? Oh, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. But you need to. If we don't develop ourselves, then we don't learn to do things better, quicker, more effectively, new ways of doing stuff. And we get stuck in that rut of working the same ways we always have. Yeah, it's so true. And it reminds me, like, there's a client uh, that I work with uh, via uh, Emmanuel. And I remember being on a call with him and he says, oh, you know, Alexis, I absolutely need to document and processes and hand over these things to other people. But, you know, I'm just, I'm really struggling to, to find the time. And then he said, and I said, well, you know, where are you spending your time currently? And he said, well, I'm spending about three hours a day doing price quotes for customers. So three hours a day. And he goes, I know, I know, you know, I probably, I probably just need to get it all documented. It probably take me like eight hours, but I just haven't found the time to do that. And of course you go, well, three hours a day, even, even if you did spend eight hours documenting it in three days, you'd get that time back. Like you'd be break even and then better from then. 
And I said, well, we've got 45 minutes on this call. Let's document. Let's do that now. Let's see what we can do. And in 45 minutes, we documented the entire process. And in a subsequent call, got it handed over to his account management team. And you go, well, so as a result, with like two, three hours invested, he's managed to free up three hours per day. Now, he's not, you know, he's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. And so it's, you know, you, you wonder why has he struggled to, you know, to do that to that point. And I think it's just that we fall into that trap of the day to day. We fall into that trap of thinking, of, of thinking oh, I'll, I'll just get this done now. And, and particularly like when you're doing price quotes for customers, he's probably thinking, oh, you know, that customer's been waiting for a quote for two days. I can't put it off again. Like, I, I need to get that done. And so he does it. And then the following day, of course, he's got more price quotes than he's doing. And mm-hmm. so... I think that's why we end up in that in that trap. But it was really the the nice end of that story is that I caught up with him. We do an impact review call with our customers. I caught up with him as part of this impact review. And I said, uh, you know, get to the bit in our process, as you might expect, we have a process. But I had to do that call. And one of the questions is, so what's been the most useful? And I, I kind of went, well, presumably it's the fact they've freed up like 15 hours a week then. He went, no. And I said, what, what's been more useful than 15 hours a week for the business owner? And he said the fact that customers get price quotes in minutes or hours rather than days or weeks. <laughs> and you go, oh, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> no, perspective. Where do we look at something from and where do we see the value? Yeah. And, and so it's, but, it, but I think that's the challenge is like, yeah, making that time to invest the time in shop and store. And as you say, with that, with that L&D background, it's something that you're really having to encourage managers and the employees to do because otherwise they just get caught in the day to day. It's, oh, we're too busy to do training. We're too busy to learn and develop and coach and whatever, because we're busy. And it's like, well, do you think you might be less busy or be able to get bigger impact if you first put that stuff in play? And so it's, uh, it can sometimes feel a bit of an uphill battle, but I think people listening to this podcast are probably a great example of people who are going no no this is me sharpening the saw and so the key but the key is to take action right is to to decide yeah you know what um i do need to systemize my business i do need to put processes in place i do need to make that crucial hire i do need to actually delegate to to my team more effectively and as a result you know elevate the impact that they can have on the business Absolutely. I mean, the amount of people we speak to and said, well, I know, I know we need to do it. What are you doing? I don't, I haven't done it yet. I quite often, I fall into that category on great ideas and the execution is a bit poor. So I, I'm probably going to be doing shed loads of stuff after this call for my own business, to be honest. <laughs> it's like free consultation. It's cool. <laughs> good. Well, no, it's, uh, that's a, that's a very good thing to do. And in fact, before we, um, before we started the interview, we talked about the fact that perhaps in future you, you might like to do the kind of, uh, road trip motorhomey, uh, experience. <laughs> so, uh, uh, if, yeah, if, I believe, so, if vision boards worked for me and they don't and I, I know a lot of people like vision boards but they don't they don't just float my boat there would be a motorhome and a map of europe on there nice well i can i can send you the air manual checklist that i had of here's what the trip looks like so you can, you can cherry pick the bits that, and i can tell you which bits didn't work i did want i did make one big mistake when did the trip which is that there were various points particularly because we've got two young kids so i'm out here with my wife and my, my two kids uh age six and eight and so I didn't want to, I mean, you can, when doing a trip like this, you can kind of leave it all up to chance and like flexibility. You can, you know, there's, there's places you can stay for free. There's places you can stay for relatively cheap. 
the service, the experience, the, you know, what you've got, whether you've got a pool and whether things are nice and so on varies considerably, largely based on that price and, uh, and, and some other factors. Um, but because of having young kids, I wanted to make sure we had various places lined up so that we would have pools and we would have the ability to sort out, like, you know, have access to electricity and those sorts of things. But I did manage to, one of the campsites where we were scheduled to be for two nights, I turned up and gave my name and they're like, no, they haven't got a record. So like, that's really strange. I'm bring, I'm like, you know, proudly, oh, well, let me show you my booking confirmation. And I show them on the phone. And as I'm showing them, I have a peek. And I'm like, oh, that date is wrong. And I realised I managed to book it for a month earlier than what I wanted. And it's, yeah, it's one of those, <laughs> one of those things that when you're booking a six-week trip with, like, you know, 20 different campsites or whatever, <laughs> like, it's, it gets pretty easy to measure errors like that. But so far, so far, that's the only, only major one I've made. And... And it was easy, right? We just we ended up just staying in a local, what they call airs, these kind of rest stops where you pay a few euros and it was fine. And we lo- met lovely Paul and Caroline and ended up having a few glasses of wine that evening and so it was all fine. I, but, like, um, to call the, I like to call those happy accidents. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Happy accidents. So, um, so yeah, so I think, as, as you said, like whether, whether vision boards work or not, I think that, and whether a road trip or whatever is, is what floats your boat, or whether it's literally having a boat, yeah, getting clear on how you want to be spending your time is probably the starting point for all of this discussion, right? Is before you even embark on, so how might we do that? It's like, what is it that you want to be able to do? Because that, that does tweak slightly some of the things that you might need. For example, is it that you just want to be very flexible in where you are, but you still want to be able to work? Like, you know, yesterday I was working, working in Barcelona and all I needed was, you know, Wi-Fi and being able to plug in my laptop and I was able to have a, a great day getting some work and so on. My aim is not to retire now and not do any more work for the rest of my life. I think I'd find that unfulfilling. So for me, it was about how do I make sure that I can still have an amazing trip and you know, do six weeks and do a sizable amount of holiday as part of that, basically like four and a half weeks out of six weeks is, is kind of pure holiday. Mm-hmm. Um but still be able to to work and so what i've put in place and what we've got as the business has allowed me to to kind of do that so i think that's that's the starting point is work out what do you want how do you how do you want what do you want your time in the business not in the business to look like how do you want that to feel what what will that mean for your team you know i always think it's funny and pre particularly pre-covid people would say to me i can't imagine having a fully remote team and you know people doing remote working like i can't imagine people would be productive i I think i need people in the office to be able to manage and in fact there's a particularly well-known entrepreneur been doing he's he does a lot of daily content and he did a load of stuff around i and it's ridiculous and people don't work as hard and whatever and i you know i responded like i mean if because equally some of his other content is about how do you free yourself in the business and how do you have a passive income and all this kind of stuff as well hang on as a business owner you're going to free yourself off in the business have completely flexibility be able to travel etc and yet everyone else needs to be in an office and that's the only way you can manage them and get productivity it doesn't it doesn't line up it doesn't make sense so for me uh, you know it's about we've t- taken 100 remote approach it's about how do you make sure that you've got the management practices the processes the structures in place that mean that it doesn't matter where people are yourself included you're, stay, you're still able to work and to manage and so on and normally my environments are more conducive to working than the one today i must admit but uh, yeah but as it as it happens, the the fa- family are nearby on the beach. So <laughs> it's a hard. I'm just going to say it's a hard life, isn't it? I'm I'm gutted for you. 
yeah, yeah, sorry. Sorry about that, Scott. That's all right. I'm, I'm turning the tide of listeners against me. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at the soft men. I'm going to be on the South Downs on my bike because I tend to say that, you know, Friday afternoons, I don't want to work. So I used to, I used to do a lot of hours, a lot, a lot of hours, and I do a lot less now. And I don't think it's because I'm better at organizing. I think it's I'm better at setting boundaries, which is, I think is a key thing. Yeah, agreed. I think the, the boundaries is a really interesting one. I remember uh, I've got kind of two two stories, one severe, one less severe. So the less severe one, uh, which is more recent, was I remember having a particularly busy day and just being a little bit like, oh, you know, this is this is a bit bonkers, you know, the pace at which we're doing and, you know, doing do all this stuff. Kind of, this is uh, this is very busy. Should I be doing something about this? And I remember just the thought just occurred to me was, well, even though I'm feeling busy and, and all that kind of stuff, like I'm still not working outside of nine to five thirty at that point, right? And I was thinking, well, why is that? Why am I not doing work until seven? You know, I could I could make my day feel much less frenetic just by spreading the same amount of work over a long period. And it's like because I'm choosing not to. And then on the flip side, on the flip side, you then say, you know, like. Oh, apparently, apparently I've got a, a wolf over there that really likes the fire engine that's going past. That's it. That's it. Just let's make, let's make it sound, it's, it's, it's now making it sound like I'm not uh, on a beach uh, near Barcelona, but instead I'm in the woods. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Another part of my three yeah. six week road trip, I've gone to the woods now, just so quickly that you didn't even notice. Yeah. 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 Um, move tables now I'm in the woods. So, you know, I remember just thinking, like, okay, so if I'm doing, you know, five five thirty, like, I can equally, I can just block out the time and not do a 5.30. I can, I could finish at five, I could finish at 4.30 or I could just make my day less crazy. And I think it's realizing that you have that power. You have the ability to block out time. You have the ability to decide actually this is what I'm going to tolerate or not. And I think that's the kind of the first step. And the more extreme example was back in the very early days of my business, uh, of spider the gap. I remember there was a particular time where we were having to do some, we we're doing a release of the software and I had to help kick off the the testing and so on. And I remember we were working really late. And so the development team are you know, doing a release and updating the site and then I need to kick off the testing. And it ended up being like 1am. Was it, yeah, 1am, maybe not that bad, maybe 11pm or something. But I remember being in bed next to my, at the time, girlfriend on the laptop, like doing that. And she just got increasingly more annoyed to the point that I later found out that she was like thinking I'm going to ditch this guy like this is this is no good at all and so through helpful feedback that I've received from, <laughs> from my wonderful wife I've yeah I've I've put in this that both protect protect moments like that and I mean that you don't end up in a situation where your your most important relationships are at risk because of work but also for the rest of the team like again, it's like it's not just about me. It's about what does that mean for the rest of the team, the development team? They're all having to do that too. There's a risk that we're basically in one foul swoop, like or one foul swoop, like going to take out five or six relationships <laughs> through a series of three late working nights. And so I think, yeah, I, I think as you say, it's about deciding what you're going to tolerate and blocking out and being very conscious with how you're spending and blocking out your time. You know, I'm a big believer in you know, using a calendar and every hour, half hour, et cetera, is accounted for, if only for visibility, never mind personal organization. Yeah, there's there's a thing in there, isn't it? Because it's because uh, sometimes when I do coaching with people and they say, oh, I can't do this. And uh, and I was, 
and it comes back again it's in Stephen Covey's book as well is that everything's a choice everything yeah, is a choice now there are circumstances wherever so uh, one of the things and I think again once we accept that it's quite it's scary but also liberating so you know everything you everything you do is a choice and you have that choice no matter what it is it could be an extreme and it could be it's a choice between a bad thing and a really bad thing so how what's the least bad option you've got and take it and have a thought process and a lot of us I think say because you hear people say somebody made me well basically nobody makes anybody do anything so you choose everything you do and say being and making that more conscious gives you that more control completely agree yeah i think that and that should be so empowering as you say it can it's got this weird uh shift which sometimes that can feel overwhelming because it means that everything is down to you mm-hmm. uh and they and and so that can feel scary but on the flip side everything's down to you you know it's like the brian tracy quote if it's to be then it's up to me which maybe a which he may have quoted from zig ziglar or something but like i think that's the key is like once you decide I that that you have that power and you have that control, like yeah, exercise it, use it and and put it in place so that so that you can you can change how you're doing through time. Um, yeah, and and crucially, not just for your own personal time management, but putting in the structures and so on in your business that that means that you get that freedom and that you're not not required day to day. And I like what you said when you've talked about it's not just about us, it's about the team and sort of as a leader. And if you have now got a team, so if you're on your own, it's fine, but you impact on your family and friends. If you've got, if you've got team, you're impacting your family and friends, but then you're setting the example that other people will want to follow in your organization. So there's that ripple effect, isn't there? So as you say, five or six people in your team potentially are expected or you are expecting to work till 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, which is having a negative impact on their work-life balance and their relationships, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that we caught ourselves, myself and my co-founder, caught ourselves early on, both okay, you know, the kind of working late and then that creates a bit of an expectation of others and so on. But the other, even just like, I quite like, I like working early. So, you know, I might wake up naturally 5am, 6am, whatever, and you know, the house is quiet and so I'll be able to get some proper work done. But what I found was that the risk was that I would send an email or send a Slack message or something relating to some piece of work and that the t- a team member who maybe hasn't started yet, so for example, you know, team members in Venezuela, US and Canada where they're on a different time zone where they won't start until like 11, 12 UK time uh, or you know, 1 p.m. UK time. Now, if I'm sending a message early on to them asking for something before that time, there's a real risk that they will start work earlier and yet still expect them to finish the normal time, which means I'm essentially extend their hours without even meaning to. Like right. I'm not, you know, I'm not even, it's not like in the message I'm saying, oh, uh, this is top priority. Please, can you do this even before you'd normally come in? You know, it's literally just, oh, I'm just replying to an email, right? You know, like, or, you know, asking this question and leaving it there. And, and that applies both for individuals, but even just at a team level, like if I do that the weekend, like if I decide, oh, you know, I'll just uh, send Sunday morning, uh, my brain's whirring on a couple of things. If I send messages to the team, I'll see, you know, there's a risk that they it pops up on their phone and then they're hopped on. And I don't want that. I don't want them to do that. I'm posting it so that they pick it up when they start. And so realizing that we now use scheduling. So in both email and Slack, you can put like send later. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll put like send later, send it at 9am. Now, most of the time I don't tend to work 
outside of working hours but it, when those occasions happen i'm i'm conscious that i want to make sure that i'm not infringing on other people's time and so on and i think that's that's key is working out what's that culture that you want for your organization and how do you want it to feel what hours do you want people to work what do you want people to feel about that and 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 as you say role model it from the top yeah i mean i was having a conversation with somebody and they're like a manager they're trying to convince senior managers and organizations about more working remotely and stuff and the, the company culture is trying to go back to what it was pre-COVID and you said but I'm more productive at home and I want to do stuff I said the question to ask your managers then is do you pay for output or time yeah perfect and they said well I pay for output I said why do you manage time yeah so what you're managing isn't what you want you're managing something no. you don't actually want in your business you want output you want people you're paying people to do something to produce something whatever that is for your organisation so does it really matter if they can do it? Say between those, 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 those if, if it operationally fits what your business needs, yeah. what's what's the issue? But again, we're slightly digressing because we're now moving on yeah. to about the, oh, how to get people and culture. So let's go back to what we started talking about. So yeah. this is the six weeks. So somebody either wants six weeks off. And I, I like that fact is we're talking about having a six week holiday, but it's about basically how can you detach yourself from the business to give you the freedom to do what you want with your time? Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. And, and I think a six-week period is quite a nice period to think about because it, it, it forces a few things. So if we start with, so what are we going to need? Now? Before we go into the how, like what, what are we going to need this to look like to, to be able to do that? So, you know, how might we do that? Like, let's start off with what, what's the criteria? Well, it's a six-week period and let's let's go extreme. Let's work on the basis that let, let's imagine that, that I'm doing six weeks completely detached, no internet connection, nothing, right? Let's say, let's say I, I am out in the woods with the wolves. <laughs> um, so so there's a few things that need to happen so firstly the things that immediately come to to mind in terms of even days out to the business is anything sales related and delivery related so for example you're you're not going to be able to take even a few working days out of the business if customer queries and sales conversations and delivering the service that you provide or the products you provide if that's if that can't hop, happen without you like if that's not able to be done, then even a few days isn't possible. So you're going to need someone plus systems. And I think sometimes people get hung up on automations because I think and automations are great and can make things more efficient, but they don't do everything. Like there are always holes, there are always gaps, there are always things around the edges. You're going to need some people in there somewhere. So you need a combination of people and systems that mean that sales conversations coming delivery of your service and products is covered uh that the that you've got support covered any quick questions and you know cu cu essentially customer service so that's your absolute basic level you can't do a few days otherwise then after that we go okay well so what about when you get to weekly you then need to start you then start to need things like how are people keeping an eye on key metrics and things you don't want to be in a position where marketing is slipping like oh we didn't send out the flyers that we're meant to or or that uh, we haven't run a facebook campaign or we haven't run a webinar or you know whatever your marketing chance are like you're going to struggle to be out the business for more than a couple of weeks if you're not on top of that because the risk is that you come back and everything's falling off a cliff and no one's even aware Mm -hmm. So you're going to need scorecards and you're going to need some kind of meeting rhythm with some people who have some autonomy where they're able to review on a regular basis the key stats. And it could be daily, it could be weekly or fortnightly, but you need some 
people in your business to be reviewing on a regular basis and key stats to understand what's going on in the business and therefore anything major they can jump on in your absence and, and it doesn't or indeed that they can just make sure everything's fine in your absence and you don't need to keep on jumping onto your phone and go let me just quickly check why is uh why why, why have we not had the invoices go out why have the, these invoices been made like you want some of those key metrics so if you're even gonna so that's days then there's weeks when you start to get to a month out of the business, now you're seriously into the territory of people need to get paid. <laughs> so paying us, you know, doing the payroll and paying staff and paying suppliers, all of that is going to happen in your absence. And of course, some of that can be done through automated card payments and so on, but a lot of it can't. And so you are going to need someone who is doing payments and therefore you're going to need a process for how do you approve something that's go- that is okay to be paid? And how do you identify when it then should be paid? Because you don't want to pay everything too quickly because then that's not going to be a cash flow. So you're going to need someone in place and the processes around that so that you can remove yourself from those monthly sort of payroll and paying suppliers kind of processes. And then when you get six weeks, you then go, okay, well, actually, it's not just those things. I now need a bit of people management because I can't basically ignore people for more than a month and just assume that everything's okay. So as a result, you're going to need some form of regular one-to-ones, performance reviews, those sorts of things that are in place for most of your people. And you might be able to get away with your very top leadership team not having a one-to-one with you for six weeks, but you probably don't want your, like, uh, you don't want all employees to be in that situation. You don't want a situation where you're the only manager and leader for those people. And actually, for a six-week period, you also need to make sure that they're getting guidance on what are the top priorities, like what are the things we should be working on. So actually, you need people in your organization that are, again, using some meeting rhythm to review our progress against key projects and our KPI targets and so on, and are re-able to reset what the priorities are. So it's interesting by setting that six week period, which it forces us to think about what are the things that need to be in place. And I think it, that probably gives us a bit of a roadmap to tell anyone listening, probably don't start with the six week ones if, you've st- if you can't be out of the business for a few days. Don't start with the payments on a monthly basis if you haven't got sales sorting. You know? And I think that kind of gives us a bit of a roadmap of what needs to be sorted first. Okay, so first look at the rhythm. I like that, the heartbeat of the rhythm. I was talking to a guy called Carol Popper, who's a scale-up coach, and he talks a lot about understanding your KPIs and a way of measuring that. And certain, you need a good, he calls it the heartbeat, or my brother calls it heartbeat, who's a techie guy. So it's a heartbeat, how many touch points and we need to, and just the rhythm of meetings we have. What do we have? How often do we need? And what's the key things those those meetings will decide? And I think if you know that, that can help you do identify, say, some of the things that you're talking about. What do I need to be able to happen without me in for a day for a half a day for a half a week a week a couple of weeks and you can then just decide to, and that gives you a roadmap of what you now need to look at sorting out yeah i completely agree and i think that as you say that meeting pulse that heartbeat is so key and yet i sometimes see managers leaders business owners who say oh but we you know we already have so much time in meetings why would i want more meetings and I, and it kind of misses the point because the, the whole point of having a decent meeting with them actually it does help you reduce the amount of ad hoc meetings you have because rather than spending a load of time like throughout the day having six or seven ad hoc oh my god there's a fire here that needs fixing meetings or jenny goes oh sorry can i just ask a quick question like instead 
it's like, well, no, we've got our you know, daily sales team meeting, which is 15 minutes long. And therefore any sales team issue blockers can get picked up at that. And therefore you don't derail every like different people across the rest of the day because it's always at that. Or, you know, our fortnightly exec call is when my leadership team spend the time properly reflecting on our KPIs, metrics, growth against projects and all these sorts of things and discussing our biggest issues. We don't, which means that we don't just have ad hoc conversations across the two weeks between, between leaders and go, Oh, actually, yeah, we need everyone for this. Or when's everyone available? Are you available Friday or you're out Friday? When's it? Instead, you've just got this meeting with them that you can just rely on. And so, you know, it's not to say that if some if, if there's an actual fire, you don't go, oh, well, you know, we're not going to put that out until Friday. But uh, it's surprising quite how much can wait. And so that's the, the key is deciding, yeah, we're going to have a meeting rhythm. In. And typically, I'd say you want one-to-ones with the team members, either weekly or fortnightly. So individuals between a manager and an employee. I'd expect each team to have either a weekly or fortnightly where they're sort of planning, resetting their plans and so on. I'd expect some kind of leadership a weekly or fortnightly meeting. And, and you might also have monthly or quarterly planning sessions as well, which are a bit more strategic. And then you could consider then having some some others that are a bit more to create engagement. You know, one thing is if, you, if you're doing remote working or hybrid working, things that can be really helpful be things like daily huddles. So we have all company daily huddle every day. It's just 10 minutes, but it means that you're not, you never have a day where you're sat alone going, oh my God, I've not seen a single human being, which which is a, can be a problem like for people remote working, particularly those that don't live with anyone. Whereas even a 10-minute check-in where you're seeing other people and people are sharing their wins and you're looking at metrics and discussing any issues can be really powerful. Um, the other thing that we do, actually, we also do um, what we call cross-team waves, where each week you're matched up with a different person in the company, across the company, just to talk often socially or just, you know, what are you working on or whatever in a very informal way. Because I see a lot of leaders, particularly when I'm working with larger companies, where they say, oh, you know, moving to remote working, we've lost all those water cooler moments where people just come up with these ideas. And so it's like, you can totally create those. Like, you, don't, you don't have to go, oh, no, so we must force everyone into a building together. <laughs> like you can you can create those 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 connections. And so I think, yeah, putting consciously putting that in place as the business owner and, and putting that rhythm in place is so valuable. And then making sure that you're getting value from those meetings and not concluding that, oh, this meeting doesn't feel valuable, therefore we won't have meetings anymore. Meeting rhythm doesn't work for us. It's looking at why is that meeting not valuable? Is it because we don't have the information required? Is it because we're not applying enough structure? Is it because we're not uh, focusing on solving the problems in the meetings and instead everything just becomes an action? You know, is it that we've got the wrong people in it? And, and really thinking about those sorts of things. And, um, because yeah, I, I see lots of people kind of disregard meeting with them in that kind of structure because of something that's tangential, uh, which is the wrong approach. Okay, so we've got, we've got, so one of the key things to put is a meeting rhythm in, which gives you an idea of what needs to be done, how often it needs to be done. So that gives you a structure or a roadmap of things you need to now consider. And you said about pros, because I mean, automation is obviously a big thing in businesses and people are automating much, much, much more. But it's important to have a the person there as well. Yeah, and I, and I think it's an interesting balance. And, and throughout my career, I've kind of learned more the more nuances around people and process. Because I, I remember early on, I was keen to make sure that I was, you know, utilizing experienced individuals and their knowledge. And I didn't want to, you know, tell them how they should do stuff when they might have a better idea. And I made a mistake basically like hiring talented, experienced people and assuming that they would bring the right way to do things with them 
and we'd get suddenly get great results. And actually, that's not how it panned out. You know, if you hire a great salesperson, but you don't give them a sales process and you don't give them collateral and you don't give them training and knowledge and so on, based on what you already know works like i you know in my businesses i can sell the products and then i remember bringing in salespeople who i'd just go oh well you know you, you do it how you think and of course they get rubbish results and you go why is that and of course i've not given them this is how i sell it and so since then we now have really well documented processes and onboarding for people going into those roles and so, for example, for one of my businesses, I had two people join on the same day in November last year. And in one week, they were able to follow onboarding checklists that meant that they were able to have calls with customers and start in you know, essentially having sales conversations and customer success calls. And uh, in total, the amount of time I had to spend training them was one and a half hours across both of them. Whereas most business owners would expect to basically have to wipe out their diary for a few weeks, like literally three to five hours per day or more, spoon feeding those people, teaching them about here's the products and services or here's this. Or they'll assume that maybe the person will learn by, by osmosis. They can just follow me around and they'll learn the job. It's a really slow and ineffective way of doing it. And it's really difficult for the employee to understand what actually matters in what you're doing as well. So instead, we have it really well documented. We have our sales process documented. These are the steps we take them through you know, as part of a demo call for our software. We you know, start with building rapport, clarifying how much time we've got on the call, checking whether it's okay to start recording, okay, and outlining what's going to be on the call. Next, then you're going to start the call and you're going to uh, ask some questions to delve into their background, what the challenges they've got and the reason for being on the call. Da, 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 da. And like it goes through in that level of detail that makes it easy for someone to bring the skills and the, the attitudes, but have all the processes there so that they can then get great results. And one of my favorite things about having such a structured approach is that if you've got the right people, talented people, not only will they pick that up quickly and be able to use it and get your results, but they'll also ask questions or identify issues. Like I remember a team member saying, oh yeah, this is, I'm, I'm not sure about this. It, it feels like a, I'm not quite sure how the pricing works in these situations. And you go, huh, that's really interesting. I, you're entirely right. That isn't clear. Here's what the I think the answer should be. So here's the answer, blah, 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 blah. Okay, please go update the checklist. And so she goes away and updates it. And so now like, You've now got a better process. You've continuously improved and it's taken it off my back as the manager. And it means, and, and that was the start of a journey where I no longer update the processes and onboarding, they do it. And whether that's a little tweak that they just feel confident, oh yeah, I can just make that or whether it's something we discuss and then they take away. And it means that I never answer the same question twice. We never have the same mistake reoccur. And it's like, I think those are some of the most common frustrations to business owners. Like if you listen to this and you're thinking, oh yeah, I've hired in the past or I've got a few employees and I just find it so frustrating that I seem to spend more time teaching them or answering questions or fixing mistakes than I do if I just did it myself. This is the issue. This is what you're missing. What you're missing is well-documented processes and training. That means that when there's an issue or a mistake or a question, you can go back to it and go, Okay, is the answer here already? If not, okay, let's update it. Okay, now I never get asked the question again. And so I think that's the next thing to put in place is yes, automations are important. And yes, having great people is important. But you've got to give them the processes, the resources, the guidance, the training, and have it really well structured and documented. And of course, we'd recommend Air Manual to do that. But like whatever you use, you've got to have it documented somewhere in a format that is easy to understand, use, and edit so that people can 
the apps that people can use it and can continuously improve it. Otherwise, you will always end up stuck in the business day to day. I mean, even in our six week road trip example, like you won't go, you hopefully won't go six weeks without some improvement to your processes needing to be done. So you can't even be the only person that makes improvements to process, like makes changes to process documentation. That needs to be something that you have set up the team to be able to, to do as well. So, so as you say, meeting with them needs to be in there. Next, make sure that you've got some of those things documented. And it might be that you need to document the sales process. How are you having those conversations with customers? How do you follow up? How do you update your CRM system? When they decide to go ahead, how do you send them an invoice, get them started? How do you make sure payment's then taken? How do you then hand over to delivery or operations or whatever it is to actually deliver the service? All of that should be documented based on what you know works. So interesting. I mean, I know we're talking about it and it's about having people working for you, but I'm just thinking like someone like me is a, I basically work on my business myself, but I still work with people outside. So the interesting thing is, do I document, and I don't really, which is a key. So do I document what I do, how I do stuff? Do I have regular, not meet because you don't meet with yourself, but those heartbeat moments and stuff where you can sit down in your business. Okay. What's, what's the plan for today? Or so a daily, what's the key things I need to get done today? What's the key challenges? So I can then at least get into that process of, even as an individual, at the end of the month, I'm going to look at what's my key metrics I had for this month, what's my performance doing, and you can put those processes in as a person to check your progress of your business. Yeah, completely. And I, I, I think, yeah, we, we need to be careful that when we talk about, oh, you know, having a team and having employees, I'm not meaning like, oh, they're technically on your UK payroll or whatever. Like, it's that's not what matters. It's they're on the team doing stuff. And where, frankly, whether they're contractors or employees doesn't matter. Even whether they're full-time or part-time doesn't matter. Frankly, even if they're just a service provider doing the odd hour here or there, you probably still need to think about, so what's the appropriate meeting rhythm to be reviewing, you know, like let's say that you've got some Facebook ads manager that you generally, you know, that you kind of check in, that you decide, yeah, I probably need a one hour check in with them once a month. Like that's, so that's your appropriate meeting with them, mm-hmm. but you should have it in place. And in fact, a ter- terrible example of me or, or a good example of me doing this terribly was early days of the business. So forgive me for this. I was looking to delegate some of my finance admin kind of stuff. And so I did a really good recruitment process, uh, multi-stage to identify a really good, talented individual who I brought in to then do my daily bank reconciliations, all that kind of stuff in uh, in our accounting system, Zero. And it was going great. Like she was getting all done. It freed me up a few hours per week. I thought this is fantastic. But I didn't put any, I like, I purposely, I was kind of like, I'll hire someone that's great and just gets this so that I don't have to then manage them. But of course, I didn't do any weekly one-to-ones, even monthly one-to-ones, no performance reviews. And then I remember going, when the accountant asked me, like, oh, are your accounts up to date? And I went, so we can do the year end. I was like, oh, yeah, probably, actually. And I went in, and it was, like, out of date by about three months. I was like, huh, that's strange. Why haven't the reconciliation been done three months? She had stopped working, not told me, and never been able to reach any contact with her again. And it's like, wow, I didn't notice for three months that that just stopped it happening right mm-hmm. and so and 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 it's big and i'd rationalized it that oh she's you know only doing a small amount of time per week for me and she's an experienced contractor and whatever so even if they're a contractor even if they're part-time you, i think you need to think about them as your team as your team they're still critical to how you work and therefore they need onboarding they need training they need guidance they need processes like anyone else and meeting with them now whether or not you have that and a you know, system that they can access and is all coordinated and so on, which would 
as you might expect from our side, like we would highly recommend that. But even if you've just agreed, you know, a a document with this is what I'm expecting from you and this is these are the processes that you go through and making sure that they've got it and you've got it and, and so on, I think is really important. Because if they suddenly disappear, you know, the The, the classic hit by bus have to you know wait so yeah. uh you can hear me again yeah i can hear you now uh, okay sorry uh yeah i think it's the the classic you know if, sorry i think the, the classic mistake of thinking oh well you know they they only work for me for a few hours per week therefore i can just leave them like if they if they leave or get hit by a bus like you're going to lose all that knowledge and and you start again as that as that business owner having to hire someone else and also train them and coach them and whatever whereas when you've got it all documented you can hand them over like i remember when i many years later then hired a finance administrator and did it properly and gave her the processes and so on she was able with zero finance experience by the way she was able within two days to be able to do all of the payroll that we do which is no mean feat because we have employees in Venezuela, US, Canada, Sweden, Spain, Italy, Kenya, India, and so on. And like, and the timesheet process and everything was like different for all of it. And but because it was all documented, she could take it on. And within another five days, she was able to take on all the recording record reporting tasks, bank reconciliations, and chasing the invoices, all these sorts of things. And that is just mind blowing. And it means that in under a year, she's now got getting into a position where she's basically becoming my head of finance because we've got this such this rapid development process because the once we agree a process like oh you know what it'd be really useful if once a month we have a a sit down and review our tools against our targets that'd be a really useful thing so therefore we just agree like okay what's the outcome what's the process that needs to happen so what's the stuff she's going to prepare and like how's the meeting going to run well you just agree it like that and suddenly you've got this amazing process that means that our budget is like within 3% every single month for, you know, for these key budget lines and it's continuously improved. And that's not to say that every business suddenly needs to have a process for every single thing in the business. That's not the starting point. The starting point is to work out what are the things that you're, you're stuck in. And, and as we talked about, like the roadmap of, of going through responsibility by responsibility. I think it's also like you talked about sales calls and so the structure is even if you have that yourself, it means it's, you sort of start following and you can actually, because one of the things also, because obviously helping people influence, the question is if you're speaking to people and in the sales conversations or whatever, and you get no's, I would say, what's the no's you get? Why do you get no's? And then you've now got evidence. So, okay, I now know some of the key, the key barriers I need to overcome or convince people about how good our product is and my services. And that you can then start and say, what could my answers be to that? How could I overcome that? So at least you've got it documented rather than it all just being through experience. I completely agree. Like I'm in general, I'm pretty good at, you know, particularly because I've come from a consultancy background where I'd work with you know, business leaders at companies like AstraZeneca and Sony and, and BP and Honda and so on. And so I, I'm pretty skilled and experienced in being able to suddenly think on my feet and have a discussion and da 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 da. But actually, that's not great for sales conversation is particularly not good for sales conversations that over time you're looking to grow your company so that other people can do what you want is to work out what works and exactly as you say like identifying what is the what are the most common objections that i need to make sure that i'm catching early on what's the key questions that i need to be asking so i really can anchor 
how the the products and services we offer, how it's going to help them meet their goals. Like, you know, if I did, if I just did a, if our sales conversation was just a demo of the tool and it's just like, oh yeah, here's how money works and look how easy it is and this is how fast it is and da 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 But we haven't, we've missed important questions like, you know, where are you at? What are you trying to achieve in your business right now? Where are you currently spending most of your time? What's the biggest frustration or pain point for you right now? Like if I miss those questions, then I can be shown on that and they go, oh, that's really interesting. But 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 the light might not come on. They might not realize, oh, the, the reason that it's good that it's quick to be able to edit is that you can then empower your team to make changes, which is the very thing that you're finding frustrating because you're the only one that does it currently. And it's like, that's the job of the salesperson is to basically understand the customer's needs and pains and wants and so on. And then work out how can we solve those using the products and services we have at our disposal and whether it's going to fit. So I think, yeah, as you say, like even if you're just doing it for yourself, you should you should have it documented. Particularly something as important as sales. I think, yeah, I I, I think as we've worked with quite a few of our clients now because we also we offer the product, but then we now we also offer consultancy. One of the things that some it's common for us to help our customers do is to kind of document that customer journey through sales and invoicing and hand over to the delivery side because it's so crucial that that goes well um, mm. because it impacts everything it impacts your sales conversion rate it impacts whether that customer is going to get value and ultimately therefore when they stay from you and they buy again it impacts how quickly you get the cash back in your business and that is the engine right like how quickly you're recycling cash through your business getting that money and being able to reinvest it is going to be the one of the leading factors and whether your business is successful and so if you haven't got that documented that's your starting point Okay, so that so we've talked about some of the key documents. We've talked about some of the key processes and getting the people involved, even including not just your employees. It could be like you might be using a VA, you might be using an accountant, you could be using an, an ad agency. I keep getting hounded by somebody wanting to be a a remote marketing manager, and it keeps hounding me, and I'm just going to send him an email. I said, well, if that's how you're hounding me, it's not how I want people to perceive my business. So no, thank you very much. Your 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 tactics and your techniques don't marry with what I think is important. So I quite like leaving sales things a little bit. People who want to represent me and say, oh, we can be your sales team, we can be a marketing team, we can be all this. And I say, cool. And I just let them follow their processes and go, yeah, that's that. Like, oh, that sounds quite good. Or no, 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 no. <laughs> I've had five emails. You're obviously busy. You're obviously, well, I'm busy, but I'm not that busy. But I'm just ignoring you because um, I just want to see what you're going to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting, waiting to waiting to see whether you're going to be innovative in your approach and maybe send me a voice message or a video or something relevant to me and the problem that you think you've identified or based on our previous conversation or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that actually, as you say, like when you do document it for yourself, it actually does give you a bit more freedom to then look look at the take a step back and go, yeah, that isn't great. Like here's a you know, yes, I I am using. You know, a lot of people when they're doing follow-up are basically going, right, I need to follow up from that call that I've just had. I can write, they could write it from scratch or what do they do? They go to their sent items and look at what was the last one I used. And it's like, ah, that's that's not your best way. Like, because it means that if you forget that, the, if, like, let's say you click send and you go, oh, actually, I didn't give a good call to action there or I didn't link it back to their problem. Like next time round, you'll have forgotten and then you go and pull from your sent items again and repeat that same mistake. And if you're doing that as a business leader, what do you expect when you've then got team members that do this kind of stuff? So yeah, it's absolutely so powerful when you when you start to do it for for yourself and and have that in place and have that that customer journey mapped out it makes such a difference to, to your ability to 
be successful, free up your time, get better results, and ultimately extract yourself. Are you saying that, that, that the follow up? So you could have a template for the follow ups, but you would leave parts blank that would be relevant to that particular yeah. client. And then I think that's the thing. But how do you keep that information? So, well, you've got something like a system like a CRM. I've had a conversation. This is what it yeah. is. You just go, oh, these are the things we've spoken about, and I've got it everywhere else. And so I think there are processes and systems in place. And quite often, and I'm as guilty as anybody, I don't use them. I don't, I'm an absolute nightmare. So for me, it's finding something that actually works that I want to use as well. I think that's a key thing. Yeah, and, that, and that's why essentially what was created there, Manuel, right, was because what we found is that there are, so there are some tools, CRM tools, et cetera, where you've got the ability to put email templates and so on, but you forget steps. You forget that, oh, yeah, I was meant to put, I'm meant to connect their deal to this, or I'm meant to change the status, or I'm meant to have this information, or I'm meant to do this, and you forget because there isn't somewhere in there that tells you, oh, do this. So I think that's one of the things. And then the second thing is, as you, is then there are sometimes things missing. Like maybe you've got a tool where you want to send the email or send a message on Slack or whatever it is, and, or a message on LinkedIn. And yeah, you want the template. And so you can have that in your process documentation. But as you say, the, the wherever you've got your process needs to be easy enough to use that people are actually going to use it. And that was one of the frustrations I had about when I was a process consultant working at big companies. We'd create processes and Visio and CaseWise and things like this. And it's just so inaccessible. You know, you essentially end up with them printed out and stuck on a wall. How does someone use that? How do they track their progress against that? And so then we started going, oh, well, what you really want is an interactive checklist. So you start using things like Word, where you can, in theory, you can create checkboxes, but you spend so much time, like, oh, the format exchange and whatever. And of course, you have to remember to like create a copy of the document so you can tick it off as you go along. So, and, and then if you want to make any improvements, you change the template, but now you have to change all the other copies that you've created. So then we started, we've more recently, like then a few years later, we kind of found process tools that started to exist where you could create a process template and use it and tick stuff off. But it was, uh, most of them were so clunky and, and poor, poor on the user interface and slow. Like you'd, you'd click, okay, I've done this step next. Then take five seconds to load. It's too long. Like if you've got a 30, 30 step process and you've got to wait five seconds between each one, like you just added so much time. And so that's why we ended up creating them when it was just like, oh, this this needs to be so much better and faster and easier. And 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 so, but uh, and and the reason I say all that is because it's like it does make a difference. Like it does you, because you do need to set the expectation for yourself and your team that you follow the process. It isn't enough just to go, oh yeah, we've got it documented. It's like, oh great, does everyone do it the same way? Then no, <laughs> because no one looks at it. You know, I, I, we've got a client who's an accountancy business where she said one of her favorite things about having like gone through this process and set up processes and so on is that now when the pe when people make errors, she goes, okay, Nancy, you know, this is a VAT issue or whatever, this check didn't happen. So let's, let's look at why that didn't happen. She said that previously they'd have said something like, oh, I didn't know I had to do that. And that was a fair answer because it's like, yeah, we haven't, we haven't agreed that there's a single place that this is captured. It's not easy to find. Therefore, you kind of have to go, oh, well, please remember in future. Whereas now she's like, well, is it in the process? And they go back to the process. It's like, oh, it's in the process. Did you follow the process? Oh, no, I didn't. It's like, okay, well, ne next time, perhaps follow the process so that we don't have these mistakes. Is that okay? It's like, yeah, absolutely. And of course, if that person continued to make mistakes because they're not following the process, you've got a performance management issue and you could exit them from the, from the business because it's a reasonable expectation that they follow the process. And that's the key is like, if it's not reasonable that they follow a process because you haven't put it, made it available, it's not easy to access all these sorts of things or isn't that expectation. 
yeah, you just end up chasing your tail and having really difficult conversations all the time. You're asking people to remember stuff that you yourself forget. <laughs> oh, when you've got a process for this, oh, we've updated it. Where's the update? I don't know. Where's the original? I don't know. Where's where's the ultimate? Yeah. I think most of us can, from our working experience, can realise that there isn't really a process. It's more like, which we feel where you are, Spanish practices. You know, yeah. if we're allowed to say that, I don't know. It's, yeah, we basically learn from other people, and people have adapted what they do to, for them individually to work. Absolutely. So yeah. So I think once I think once you've once you've identified what are the activities that currently only you can do, and that you're acquired both in terms of your sales your delivery and so on, you're dealing with issues, they're making payments, all these sorts of things. And you then identify, okay, step by step, start documenting it, get your meeting rhythm in with the people that are involved, with their employees, contractors, there's whatever. You've got that in place, so you're managing it, and you're managing against KPIs. That's where, and with uh, repetition and continuous improvement, that's where you get to a point where you can step out of the business six weeks, maybe even more, and and stuff doesn't fall over because it's able to, to operate really effectively, efficiently, continuously improve, the team are empowered, they enjoy it as well. That's one of the amazing things I've found is that I think I assume that the more we create processes is that the team would kind of feel like, oh, it creates restrictions and, you know, we can't be created. It's quite the opposite. They feel free because they're more empowered to do stuff that otherwise would have, they'd have had to rely or check with me. And it means that they can focus their creativity on improving the process, coming up with a better sales email or better way to do the follow-up or, or testing slightly different things more consciously. So so that's been really, really powerful. So, so that's how we do it. That's how we might free up our time sufficiently to do six weeks, I think. It's so simple, isn't it? <laughs> well as we discussed at the beginning it's like do you then do you take the time to sharpen the sword do you block out that time which is why like we've found the most easy way to do that or the, the most effective way to do that has been literally we schedule time with our consultants and our customers to go look we get that you're probably not going to do the homework you're not going to go away and do it so that's why we do it on a call like arrange a call with us and we'll do it live and get you that result that's it because I think a lot of people is what I found in life you can tell people how or what they need to do, they always usually yeah. come back and say, "How do I do that?" Then, that's so the true. People so true. Need to, it's transferring that knowledge or that ex, that into an at something actionable. How do I actually? How do I actually do this? So I know what I'm yeah. meant to be doing. It's the how. So agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I think, and and it's yeah, I think uh, uh, that's the that's the the key bit, right? If you with you know. Any anyone can come up with an idea or uh, a potentially good strategy or approach or whatever. It's all about how you implement it. But it's it's funny, like for for things that I find hard to do, like one things that I used to find very difficult about when I was when the private business was a consulting practice was just making sure I was regularly keeping in touch with previous clients. You know, it's a useful thing to do if you're a consultant business, keep in contact because at some point another opportunity comes up. And when I I found that I'd, I often leave it for weeks or even months at a time before doing it. So I literally got a VA and scheduled half an hour with her once a week where she literally goes, right, so now we're doing this. And I would just talk out loud and do it and send some emails. And sometimes I'd get her to draft me something or send something. But a lot of the time she's literally just, it's almost, it's almost like I've hired a supervisor. It's <laughs> just watching me work. And it worked, right? It meant that I you know, I didn't have the feast and famine of consulting work because I was always doing half an hour of, of keeping in touch, just like having a personal trainer. You know, If you want to think- get fit, have a personal trainer. I think it's probably the important thing you said there is that the, the processes you, which is, I think there's a couple of key things. I think we can nearly wrap this up on sort of where I've come from is one, know what you want to do. 
then understand sort of the rhythm and the process it needs to be. But the important thing about processes for me is two, two, twofold. One, make sure you know what you, why you're doing it. Yeah. And secondly, choose a process that's going to work. So yes. don't don't follow. Oh, everyone else does this, so I'm going to do this. Say okay, what a new say. So sit in there with a PA or a VA yeah. and sit in a type this. These are the people you need to speak to. That worked. It was a process. Of yeah, worked. So it's recognizing your own motivations. How am I likely to do it? So my other half is a spreadsheet guru. She loves spreadsheets. She does stuff on spreadsheets, which has its issues, but she likes them. Yeah, and that, I think yeah, what you got to work out what works, and mm. then and then as you say, like document it, get it on over, and so on. So I think yeah, uh, that, and that's the crucial bit: work work out what works, and then start handing it over as quickly as possible. And that's kind of your job as a business owner: is work out what works, then turn it into a system, get it handed over to some automation, some people, some suppliers, employees, whatever it is, and then repeat the exercise. Now go find out what works for the next bit. What works to get more leads in what works to increase conversion rates what works to deliver a better service so you get repeat customer like and then systemize that and hand that over to people and then find and then and rinse and repeat and don't and avoid getting stuck because if you get stuck then a your business grow and grow, grow but b you'll then be able to take significant time out of the business either to either work on it or spend six weeks traveling across europe oh europe wins every time for me so i'm now going to look at my processes <laughs> That's good good well, in which case, I would highly encourage you to make sure it actually happens. Highly encourage you to set up a call with a member of my team. Uh, unfortunately, it won't be me right now uh, for, no, for reasons which are hopefully clear. But, but yeah, setting, setting up a call with a member of our team at Air Manual, which you, people can do at airmanual.co and and get that time. Because like, for free, even for free, just have a conversation about it to get clear on where to start. Even you know, there's so much value you can get there. We've also got resources on our site, including like we've got an ebook, which is like the ultimate guide to team process management and role onboarding, like that gives you step by step and exactly how to do this. Like the guidance is there. So either get the guidance, follow it, put it in place, or get time with experts that know what they're doing to actually hold your feet to the fire and get you doing because it it's um it's a lot more cost effective than one would expect. And we have loads of examples where we get people ROI within like couple of weeks it's crazy so yeah it's uh it's a no-brainer to put that stuff in place it makes such a difference and i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to do travels like this and have built the businesses that i have without having having done that so, yeah. so you are an advert for your business benefits yeah and i have no problem with doing that <laughs> i definitely <laughs> I, don't I want to be an advert for a business of how to spend a hundred hours in the business yeah there you go i've been but you've been both ends and you know which one you'd rather have Definitely, definitely. Okay. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you very much for your time, especially as you're on your road trip and gives you an opportunity now to go and spend some time with your family on the beach and have some nice lunch in Spain. And yes, definitely food for thought. So thank you again. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. And yeah, and no, I really appreciate you having me here. And if anyone wants to reach out, connect, learn more, then feel free to reach out to me on social media, Alexis Kingsbury. I'm particularly active on it, but equally, you know, you can, can connect via social media, find us on airmanual.co and yeah, happy to, to help in any way I can. Cause it's, as we've talked about on this, uh, this conversation, it's, it's one of those things that can sound easy and then quickly can feel difficult and you just need someone who's done it before to kind of help through. So, uh, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you very much.